I have seen well-meaning election officials with too little skepticism and too much hubris, and uh, I think that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a problem, too. Big problem in California. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today as we continue to fight like hell for nearly 20 years now to protect what is left of your democracy. And I got a couple of things uh, that I want to try to cover today uh, and, and try to talk about today, hopefully with some of your calls, if time allows, because it has been, Desi Doyen, like a month since we've been able to open up the phone lines. Yes, so now is a good chance to use your public airways. So I'm going to try to do that today, as long as we don't have too much of your chit-chat. <laughs> Holding us up. Anyway, right. uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, one uh, of the things I want to cover is uh, the latest on a story that we have been covering very closely on the broadcast, too often exclusively, frankly, over the past month or so in the lead up to Tuesday's California gubernatorial recall election day as Republicans have targeted the state's progressive Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom for removal from office for various vague and, yes, ridiculous reasons. And uh, the other thing I hope to talk to is something that I have sort of had on my chest for about 20 years now, uh, as of today, regarding 9-11. We will see if I can get to both, and and I do hope to open up the phones, as I said, uh, to discuss either of those topics at 818-985-5735. If you want to write it down, 818-985-KPFK, if possible. So let's start here on the story that we have been covering very closely on, on the broadcast and at bradblog.com for the past month regarding the major software security breach that has left 
Cybersecurity and voting systems experts with their hair basically on fire since a key piece of software that runs, that completely runs elections essentially in about 60% of California counties was stolen by a Republican, was copied and unlawfully stolen by a Republican county clerk in Mesa County, Colorado, with a couple of accomplices in the middle of the night and then released to the wilds of the Internet about a month ago during pillow guy Mike Lindell's bonkers conspiracy cyber symposium event in South Dakota. But since it takes uh, sometimes, as Desi will tell you, takes me forever to tell these stories. Not nope. Now is not one of the time. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Let me start here with the basics, courtesy of a Bradcast listener, Sheila Bernard, who had a great letter of hers published today in the Los Angeles Times here that explains the basics of this story quicker than I ever could. Uh, It reads to the editor. Computers are appropriate technology for an enormous number of applications, but computers are inappropriate technology for elections. The, quote, gold standard is hand-marked paper ballots counted by hand at the precinct level on Election Day with transparency to observers. Without this level of safety from hacking and without complete transparency, it's no wonder there is so much skepticism about election results, she writes. A group of election integrity and computer science experts have written a letter to the California Secretary of State strongly recommending that after the recall election, she conduct a risk-limiting audit in every county regardless of the outcome of the election. This, explains Bernard, is a hand count of a statistically significant percentage of the ballots to see if it agrees with the machine count. This check, she writes, is especially critical now, given the release of Dominion software to the public by a couple of attendees at the My Pillow Guys recent conference. We trust computers with our votes at democracy's peril. That's signed by Sheila Bernard here in uh, Camarillo, California. Uh, well done, Sheila. And thank you. I could not have said it better myself. And thanks to the L.A. Times, by the way, for publishing that letter. We have been covering this breach of the Dominion Election Management System, or EMS, for weeks now, long before anybody in the national media seemed to even notice it. Even now, only AP, by and large, has been sounding the alarm about uh, about all of this, as based now on a letter that was sent by eight cybersecurity and voting systems experts, the top in the nation, arguably in the world. Uh, a letter sent to California Secretary of State Dr. Shirley Weber almost two weeks ago. And, by the way, I have been mispronouncing the secretary's name on this show as Weber because that's how it's spelled and several people told me that's how you how she said it. But I have finally received a definitive pronunciation, you'll be happy to know, courtesy of yet another broadcast listener, Lynn. Thank you, Lynn, uh, who pointed me to a recording of Secretary Weber saying her own name as Weber. So uh, my apologies to the secretary for that error. I will try to get it right from here on out. In any event, those experts, so cybersecurity voting systems experts, several of whom have been featured on this program as guests in uh, recent weeks, 
and months, but in recent weeks, to talk about this breach. They are incredibly concerned about this uh, software breach as it came right in the middle of the uh, California recall, and they are asking Secretary Weber to mandate a statewide risk-limiting audit carried out uh, by a hand count of a statistically significant percentage of ballots, as Sheila nicely uh, 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 summarized it in her L.A. Times letter today, uh, to both ensure the tabulation of results in the recall, to ensure that they are correct, and to offer confidence in that tabulation to those, uh, for example, many on the right or the left, depending on whatever the results may end up being, offer confidence that the, uh, tab- th- th- that the tabulation of those ballots was accurate. And as per voter intent, after a week or so of the secretary's office largely just in denial, burying their heads in the sand about the concerns from these, you know, the nation's top voting system scientists, Secretary Weber granted a meeting to them last Thursday, along with a number of election integrity advocates who have also been trying to get action on this from the secretary. Two of the attendees at that meeting joined us on Friday's show, which you can download at bradblog.com if you want, to discuss the video conference meeting uh, on Thursday in which the secretary and her uh, officers, uh, while polite, uh, nonetheless, continued to keep their heads in the sand about this, you know, warning. And they continued to claim that, oh, nothing to worry about here. California has one of the most secure voting systems and procedures in the nation. And sadly, the secretary continues to ignore these hair on fire warnings from the nation's top experts that none of the security precautions in California are able to prevent a determined mischief maker from causing trouble given the unprecedented release of the Dominion EMS software into the wilds of the Internet. Now, in addition to singing their own praises, the secretary and and, uh, others in her office during this meeting actually asked those in attendance last Thursday to be, quote, cheerleaders unquote, for California's security procedures, which, by the way, if you know anyone, you know, if you, if you know any of the experts who are on that video call, like the legendary white hat hacker, Harry Hursty or Georgia Tech's Rich DeMillo or UC Berkeley's Philip Stark, the inventor of the risk limiting audit protocol, by the way, or University of South Carolina's Duncan Buell, you will know that such a request for those folks to be cheerleaders for security protocol here in California, that the security protocols that they know cannot prevent uh, a breach of the systems here in the Golden State. Well, that is frankly laughable to think that they would be cheer. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, Madam Secretary, we're happy to cheerlead, even though we know your system has some huge vulnerabilities that can be exploited. Anyway, it's also somewhat embarrassing that the California Secretary of State uh, did not know better, did not know the room well enough to not even make such a request to that particular audience. Anyway, like I said, you can learn about that meeting. You can check out Friday's show at bradblog.com with the folks uh, who were there. After the meeting, Weber's office then sent a letter to the attendees explaining why she would not be taking their advice when they warned in their letter that, quote, emergency measures were warranted. 
by calling for a statewide risk-limiting audit. The ex- experts explained that, was, that the secretary needs to call that before Election Day, so it does not appear to be partisan if she does so after the results, whatever they may end up being, become known. So uh, while we also obtained a, a copy of that letter that she sent to those experts, as did Associated Press, uh, I'm going to go with AP's coverage here where it was covered by Adam Beam and Kate Brumbach. Uh, they wrote about it this way. California's secretary of state said Friday she won't require a more rigorous audit of the next week's recall election results that could remove Governor Gavin Newsom from office, saying concerns about the security of the state's election management system are, quote, inaccurate. AP writes, a group of eight election security experts, including computer scientists, election technology experts, and cybersecurity researchers, said the audit is needed after copies of Dominion Voting System's election management system were released publicly last month at an event organized by MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell. The experts who detailed their concerns in a letter to the Secretary of State last week said the management system is very similar to the one that is used in 40 of California's 58 counties, adding the threat, quote, cannot be fully defended against by technical means, unquote. But Weber, a Democrat who was appointed to the job by Newsom earlier this year, said it's not possible to conduct the type of audit that the experts requested on such a short notice. That is uh, akin to what the uh, folks that we spoke with who were at the meeting uh, told us on Friday's broadcast. Weber said the audit requires, quote, significant preparation, training and testing, adding that nearly all of the state's local election officers had never done this type of audit before. And that is true. Though, as Professor Philip Stark of UC Berkeley, who was on the call, and again, the inventor of the RLA risk-limiting audit protocol, as he explained during the meeting, he has developed a scaled-down, simplified version of the RLA that could easily be done in every county in the state at short notice, no matter the past experience with such post-election audits. But apparently, Weber is ignoring that advice as well. Further, the secretary wrote in her reply letter to the election security experts, the implication that California's elections cannot be conducted safely and securely without a more rigorous audit is inaccurate, she wrote, as California has the strictest voting system testing procedures for use and security requirements in the nation. Weber's comments echoed that of many county clerks, according to AP's reporting. Donna Johnston, president of the California Association of Clerks and Election Officials, said it wasn't practical to perform such a complex audit so close to the recall election. She said California has multiple safeguards in place, adding that none of the machines used to count paper ballots are connected to the Internet. That is actually untrue. For a number of reasons that I've explained many times on this program, as have the experts, but I will not bore you with that for the moment. Back to AP here. Santa Barbara's county clerk, Joe Holland. And this one is this one is kind of amazing, uh, Desi. I don't know if you've heard this yet, what Joe Holland had to say. <laughs> no, but I didn't, but I did hear you laugh out yes, loud. Yes, he said county election officials, quote, have such rigorous security protocols that it's nearly impossible for anybody to get access to the server that tabulates the votes, adding, quote, it's not even a concern, he said.
that seems like something you probably shouldn't even say out loud. You know, I guess the uh, I guess they missed that part where uh, University of Michigan's J. Alex Halderman, uh, who has examined the Dominion system in detail as part of a long running federal court case in Georgia, where he has warned about vulnerabilities in the Dominion system after the release of the EMS software that handles everything with elections from the creation of ballots to the tabulation of ballots. Uh, Halderman has said uh, that, you know, these protections that these California clerks think they have uh, and and that the breach of this software has made it such that uh, normal techniques cannot prevent a determined malicious mischief maker. He notes, quote, if you have someone who can do the technical work of devising a cyber attack, then it could actually be deployed by a voter, by an insider, by a vendor, by whoever, he said. It's just really multiplied the number of people who are now in a position to do harm to our elections by a very large factor. The eight experts wrote uh, similarly in their letter to Secretary Weber that after the release of the stolen software last month, quote, thousands of unknown people can study the code and find weaknesses to plan attacks on elections. The attacks, they write, can be deployed by non-technical accomplices, including voters, building maintenance personnel, you know, a janitor and election workers. Unfortunately, they write, even extensive pre-election testing of the voting equipment may not deter or detect such attacks. And yet, Santa Barbara County Clerk Joe Holland called such an attack, quote, near impossible. And, quote, it's not even a concern. When I read that, uh, a comment from Professor Duncan Buell, one of the eight election scientists who signed that letter to uh, Secretary Weber and uh, who I interviewed, I think it was last week on the broadcast about all of this, a comment that he made uh, came to mind. I have seen well-meaning election officials uh, with too little skepticism and too much hubris. Hmm. And uh, I think that's a problem. Uh, We don't know what the results are going to be. So we don't know ground truth for what's going to come out of this recall election in California. We can't do it over. We can't test at scale because the only way to run an election at scale is to run an election. Right. And this means that, yes, all of the processes have to be rock solid. But it also argues that there needs to be a way after the fact to make sure that the outcome that you think you got is the outcome you should have gotten. Mm. And that's what one of these RLAs, risk-limiting audits, will do. So that was University of South Carolina's Duncan Buell on the broadcast last week uh, talking about this uh, software breach. Uh, and I think it was the day before uh, the, the experts finally got an invite from the California Secretary of State to talk about these concerns. And frankly, Uh, to be ignored by her. Anyway, you can download that full interview at bradblog.com. But, you know, never mind. Never mind these scientists and the experts. As every bad disaster movie, you know, always begins with their warnings being ignored, maybe everything will be fine. We will hope that such a disaster does not happen in the recall election. Uh, But I'm not sure that, you know, sort of holding one's breath and crossing one's fingers and placing one's head in the sand is... Uh, a strategy for success.
We'll hope it works out this time. But, uh, you know, because that seems to be what we have as we head into Election Day at this point, that despite my best efforts and those of the cybersecurity and voting systems scientists to try to raise attention to these concerns. Now, in uh, so that's where we are now in separate but related matters. There were a number of reports from over the weekend that uh, those uh, voters who showed up at voting centers to vote in the recall election, uh, rather than using the vote-by-mail ballots that were sent to all registered voters by Secretary Weber. Um, I am receiving reports of uh, some cases where voters uh, who never you know, received their VBM ballot in the mail or, or some may have uh, screwed up when trying to use it and they want to try again uh, to vote again in person. Not again, but, you know, get a fresh ballot by voting in person. Or maybe they're newly registered, so they didn't even get one in the mail because they've recently registered. Or maybe they're not registered, but you should know that even if you're not registered in California right now, you can go to the polls and register to vote at the same time if you're 18 years of age and older. Yes, we now have same-day registration in California. In any event, there have been uh, a few reportedly isolated incidents of the electronic poll books at some voting centers here in Los Angeles County reporting that the voters had already voted when they went to vote, even though these voters supposedly had not. I saw both Republicans and Democrats over the weekend claiming that this was an attempt to prevent them from voting. Uh, I don't know that it is. I think it's just the, uh, yet another screw up on these uh, electronic poll books that uh, Los Angeles is now using. We've we've had these problems before in uh, recent elections. They just rolled them out last year for the first time, and they caused a lot of problems, for instance, in the 2020 primaries. So NBC News reported uh, in uh, here in L.A. reported on it this way on Sunday. Uh, quote, in the last weekend before the big day, voters in Woodland Hills, that's here in L.A. County, experienced a glitch at check-in. It's a glitch. Some voters were told that they had already voted when they hadn't. A spokesperson with the L.A. County Registrar, Registrar's Office says voting never stopped at the two locations with this glitch. Provisional ballots were offered to those affected and people were still able to drop off their ballots, their vote-by-mail ballots, and he uh, said the spokesman says there were some voters uh, checking in without issues. Monica Almada, who was affected by this, said she felt uneasy now about the whole situation. She said, quote, my confidence is not the same as it used to be about the voting system. The L.A. County Registrar's Office confirmed to NBC L.A. that some voters who tried to check in at this location um, in Woodland Hills and at the El Camino uh, Real Charter High School Vote Center were told the system showed that they had already voted, so they were offered a provisional ballot instead. Those are, of course, regular ballots, sort of, that are processed and counted after the election, after verifying the voters' eligibility. I should say after Election Day. The office of the L.A. County Clerk Registrar Recorder, Dean Logan, says the problem was with the settings on some electronic poll book devices used to check in those voters. Um, the office issued a statement saying, quote, the voters who experienced this issue were offered and provided a provisional ballot, the fail-safe option to ensure no one is turned away from voting. After troubleshooting the issue, the equipment at the location at the locations, 
uh, was replaced and voting continued. There are 253 vote centers in L.A. County where you can cast your ballot through Election Day on Tuesday. L.A. voters can vote at any one of them that they like, and you can find out where those are here in Los Angeles by stopping by lavote.net. So there's been a a great deal, by the way, of uh, misinformation about provisional ballots over the years that they are so-called placebo ballots. They are not. They are real ballots. And while, yes, provisional ballots are, in fact, easier to not count after an election, if an election official really wants to, uh, for various reasons, the vast majority of provisional ballots are indeed counted, tallied, especially here in California, where our uh, provisional ballot rate is somewhere up around 90 percent. Uh, of those that are submitted are actually counted. So if you are forced to vote for any reason on a provisional ballot at a polling place, uh, and, you know, if there is just no way to use a normal, regular ballot, then please, yes, by all means, do so. Use that provisional ballot. Do not walk away thinking that it won't be tallied, because it almost certainly will be. So if you haven't voted already in the California recall, find your vote-by-mail ballot, and yes, if you can, deliver it in person at this point to either a voting center or a drop box. Uh, They're all over, uh, at least all over L.A. County. Um, You know, do not use the Postal Service. Do not use the U.S. mail at this point unless you have no other choice In theory, if they're postmarked by Election Day, they will be counted, but you're better off putting them in a drop box or delivering them to a voting center. And that's especially important uh, in counties like Los Angeles and San Diego and Riverside and San Francisco, etc., which force voters to use vulnerable, 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems at the polling place when they go to vote. A hand-marked paper ballot delivered in person is the best way to maximize the odds that your votes will be counted and counted as cast. Uh, It looks like we got some questions uh, coming in on the recall, some thoughts. Uh, So maybe we will go to those next. I may never get to this 9-11 issue. Or you know what? Maybe I'll wait for another 20 years before we do. We'll see. If you got any questions or concerns about the California recall in any regard, feel free to give me a call right now. My number is 818-985-5735. As Tuesday is your last chance to vote, and this election is important, very nationally, in fact. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. We will get to your calls, and if time allows, we'll see. Uh, After the weekend's 20th anniversary remembrances of 9-11, I've got one of my own that I'd like to get off my chest. But maybe I won't. All of that uh, may be straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. 
The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. I guess that means we're sticking with California for now. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the Bradcast. Desi Doyne, you said there was somebody uh, who had a pretty good call but couldn't stay on the line? Yes. um, He basically was saying that, listen, uh, Los Angeles County doesn't use Dominion software. Uh And as I understand it, as you've said before, that the rest of the state, like 60% of the jurisdictions, use Dominion software. But he also had a concern. He said, well, I think that software is different in these other jurisdictions than the software that was stolen and released from Mesa County. It is. We talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit with, uh, I got the reaction, because that was one of the responses from the Secretary of State. Oh, that's different software. We use different software here. Well, It is the Dominion EMS, election management software. It is almost identical. There are millions of lines of code. There are a few lines that might be different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, as Duncan Buell, I think, was the one I had asked about that when he was on the show last week. He's one of the scientists who wrote the letter. Uh, and he said it's it's yeah, close he said enough. Substantial portions yeah. are are going to remain the same. If They're you, not going to rewrite it for right. every single state. If you have a copy of it, uh, then you can practice. As Philip Stark told us on the show, it's like having not just the blueprints to the bank vault, but an actual bank vault to practice with before you go and rob the real thing. So, um, yeah, that's this is a big concern all across the state. And though, by the way, Los Angeles County does not use the Dominion uh, software, we use similar software, we use similarly unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, but for the moment we're you know, most concerned about these 60% of California counties that do use the Dominion EMS. Let me get to some of your calls here and questions and concerns. John in Arcadia. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind? Oh, John. Hey, Brad. Thanks for taking thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I just uh, wanted to know if you uh, had heard of this group called the the uh, in, in, uh, Election in- Integrity Project California. Yes. And they're uh, yes, and they they had a, 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 a Supreme Court case about uh, ballot harvesting that Supreme Court overruled the Ninth Ninth Circuit. Uh huh. Yeah. I was wondering about your opinion on the harvesting of ballots. Oh, well, the harvesting of ballots is a derisive term uh, that was sort of brought up, uh, I think, first on Fox News when they had a a Hispanic guy on videotape in Arizona, I think in Maricopa County, uh, Arizona, delivering a bunch of ballots. And they called him a ballot harvester. And then they suddenly decided to pretend it's some sort of nefarious, terrible thing. Um It's not nefarious. It is not terrible. What is nefarious and terrible is what actually Republicans did in North Carolina in 2008 when they uh, collected ballots and that were not sealed and they actually changed the votes of voters. And we had to throw out an entire U.S. House election as to this group. 
uh, this California Election Integrity Project. Uh, they are not about election integrity at all. They are a right wing group. Um, they have been trying to, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with being a right-wing group as long as you're actually interested in election integrity. They're out there. Uh, they're they're tied to this group down in Texas called True the Vote, and they're basically out there trying to pretend there's massive voter fraud going on without any actual evidence to support it. As to "Quote unquote ballot harvesting that these that this Republican group is pretending to oppose the uh, California and I just tweeted about this this morning. You can check out my feed. Uh, the California Republican Party is going full bore with what they actually describe as ballot harvesting. They actually uh, there's a quote uh, that I, I retweeted from the L.A. Times, I think, over the weekend talking about the California Republican Party saying we are uh, going full in on ballot harvesting all across the state, which is really ballot collecting where, you know, they can go door to door if they want and collect ballots from uh, from voters. Does that answer your question, John? Yes, I was just wondering why the uh, Supreme Court would then rule rule out that that is, is not a good thing. The Supreme Court did not. I think just, just, just the, yeah, Justice Alito. He, he wrote for the majority. He stated states have legitimate interest in preventing voter fraud. Well, yes, of course and they do. Policies work to prevent such fraud, and fraud can affect the outcome of close elections. Yes, of so course. He, that's what they ruled. Yeah, so the no, Supreme Court did overrule the Ninth Circuit. Well. They, the uh, Supreme Court did not outlaw what you're calling ballot harvesting. Uh, as a matter of fact, yes, of course, states have an interest in making sure that there is not fraud in the election. If you're asking why Samuel Alito does anything, of course, he is one of those far right right wingers uh, who is happy to make people believe there's massive fraud going on. In any event, no, uh, the collection of ballots has not been uh, made uh, unlawful uh, in uh, in California, at least by the Supreme Court or anyone else. Okay. Got it? Thanks for that clarification. Yep. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Uh, Let me go to, let's go to uh, Harold in Santa Barbara. Harold, welcome to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind? Good show, and thank you for everything and for the information. You bet. And how come the Democrats' hair is not on fire? (laughs) And uh, I have another question is, I went to school with uh, Dr. Gloria Romero, and I still am shocked of what this former Democrat said, and I'm still uh, like stunned. What 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 did understand what's going on? What did Gloria Romero say? She's saying that uh, she backs Elder because it's going to throw a monkey wrench into the so-called elite system and yeah. it's going to help public education that's, uh, <laughs> that's paraphrasing so uh, you have to look at the la times no i got you I, and and i guess that uh is also the monkey wrench that we threw into uh america with donald trump and that totally improved everything everything is much better now after four years of donald trump right uh anyway yeah. as, <laughs> thank you and uh, i wish i had hair it would be on fire well you'd believe me you don't want it to. The fact is, I, you know, Democrats, the fact that their hair is not on fire after these, again, the top scientists in the nation, if not the world, when yes. it comes to cybersecurity and elections uh, is just, uh, you know, beyond me. I do know that election officials don't like to change things, certainly at the last minute, which makes sense. Um, but 
you know, doing proper post-election audits is a lot of work and it is difficult. And yes, it does take planning. That said, you also want your election results to not only be accurate, but you want the uh, voters from both parties, no matter who wins or loses, to know that it has been accurate. Now, I suspect, uh, you know, California Democrats may start singing a different tune if it turns out that Larry Elder is announced the winner in this election. And that's one of the reasons why the scientists are saying, no, you don't wait until after the election. You announce the need for such an election right now so it doesn't, you know, become seen as, as a partisan thing. Thing. Make sense? A, a lot of sense, and thank God these uh, election officials are election officials, and they don't work on any of my exotic cards because I'm sure <laughs> they wouldn't even fix the brakes. So, N- nothing to worry about. The brakes will probably be fine. You don't have to check them. You don't have to follow uh, expert uh, scientist advice on how to maintain those uh, brakes. Just cross your fingers and uh, hold your breath and head down that hill. Everything, I'm sure, will be fine. 818-985-5735. Thanks for that call, Harold. Uh, greatly appreciated, sir. Uh, let me take one more, and then maybe we will get in some, some 9-11 stuff. Uh, I know a lot of people want to get in here, but we'll mix things up a little. Uh, Linda in Santa Barbara. Hey, Linda, how can I help you? Um, Nice uh, that I get to say something here. Uh, I want to know why people haven't written in Gavin Newsom when they vote no for recall, because if there were enough people writing that in, maybe it would change the percentages. Well, they can't write. You're saying to uh, to write in on the on question two of the recall ballot to write in the name yeah. Gavin Newsom. Well, uh-huh. because because it would do no good. Uh, the recall the, the recall statutes um, and it might even be in the Constitution itself, the state Constitution itself, uh, say that the candidate th- that the replacement, let's say, if Gavin Newsom loses on the first question, if enough people vote yes to recall him versus no to retain him, then we go to the second question on the ballot where there are currently 46 candidates. The law says that the person who replaces a recalled governor may not be the sitting governor. Oh, it doesn't say that on the ballot. Well, it doesn't say that on the ballot. uh, And I guess, you know, you certainly can write in Gavin Newsom if you want, but uh, it won't matter how many people write him in. What? I don't get why they don't tell you that. While they why they don't tell you that you can't vote for Gavin Newsom in that slot? Yeah. Well, then they'd have to also tell you you can't vote for a lot of people, I guess. I don't know. But listen, I know there's not a lot to choose from on the second part of that ballot. So I understand. As a matter of fact, Newsom, his strategy is vote no and go. Vote no on the first question and don't vote for anyone on the second ballot, which I think is a well, terrible I, idea. I mean, it just seems like the percentages would be changed if... Uh, People were writing in Newsom. But it doesn't say you can't do that. So that's kind of interesting. Thank you very much. You bet. I mean, you could certainly do it. It just won't count. It just won't get you anywhere. There's about four or five uh, certified write-in candidates, as they call them. Uh, that you could write in, but uh, Gavin Newsom is not one of them because he's not allowed to to win there. Anyway, uh, let me share. Do I have some time here? I'll get back to your calls. Uh, our phone number is 818-985-5735. But, uh, you know, listener uh, KCP. Hey, Casey. 
wrote me over the weekend uh, to mention, among other things, that he'd hope I would not uh, be, I think his phrase was, throwing bouquets at George W. Bush over the weekend's 20th anniversary commemorations of the 9-11 attacks. I assured him, of course, that I would not be throwing bouquets against war criminal George W. Bush. Not now, not ever. No matter how many seem to have forgotten how horrific and incompetent and corrupt George W. Bush was as a president in light of the arguably even more horrific and incompetent and and corrupt Donald Trump. But so I will not be throwing bouquets at Bush for anything. Don't worry. Anything from over his eight horrendous years as president other than maybe, maybe Uh, His signing of the bill that extended daylight savings time. Other than that, that is it. Yet in a speech at the site of the September 11th, 2001 plane crash in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, over the weekend in which Bush said a number of things that I found objectionable, frankly, he did say this, which is frankly spot on. We have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. George W. Bush uh, at Shanksville, Pennsylvania, over the weekend, who I think deserves at least some credit for comparing those domestic terrorists who are now attacking the U.S., uh, you know, after doing so on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol, comparing them to those who attacked us uh, in, in the U.S. in 2001. Because Those folks are very much of the same piece, and I have to agree with George W. Bush there. And yet, by the way, we had another reminder um, uh, on Sunday evening in D.C. of all of this, a 44-year-old California man who had allegedly had a machete and bayonet in a truck with white supremacist symbols on it was arrested late Sunday night near the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C., he was charged for unlawful possession of banned weapons, according to Capitol Police. Uh, an officer apparently pulled over the man once he spotted that his Dodge Dakota did not have a license plate. It just had an American flag on it, according to police. He, quote, began talking about white supremacist ideology and other rhetoric pertaining to white supremacy upon his arrest, according to the U- U.S. Uh, Capitol Police. And he also said that he, he claimed he was, quote, on patrol whatever that might mean. The uh, Capitol Police tweeted photos of the interior uh, and exterior of the truck, which appear to show the machete and swastikas drawn on the rearview mirrors. The arrest, of course, comes days before a pro-Trump rally that will be held in Washington, D.C. on Saturday in support of the insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol on January 6th who Donald Trump and his allies have tried to rebrand as political prisoners for their violent uprising at the Capitol in January. The DNC headquarters, they're located just a few blocks from the Capitol. Uh, You'll recall that pipe bombs were placed near the DNC and the RNC headquarters the night before the January 6th insurrection. The culprit of those two 
attempted bombings, I guess, uh, has uh, still not been uh, identified. But there's been a lot of talk with the weekend's 9-11 anniversary in uh, comparison to how our divided in comparison to how divided our nation has now become, um, claiming that we were all united after the 9-11 attacks. Well, that was a lie. It was a lie then. It remains a lie now. And while some perhaps felt unified, some of us never did. And for 20 years, that has driven me crazy. It might have appeared to be unity because the attacks happened with a Republican in the White House and Americans, at least back then, uh, you know, tend to rally around any president during a crisis, something that obviously no longer happens in this country, at least when there's a Democrat in the White House. But the notion that we were all somehow united after 9-11 was, at least to me, always false, never true, and, and certainly not when talk of war began, which happened almost immediately after the attacks, leading to the largest anti-war protest, by the way, in the history of this nation, just in case some have forgotten. But before those protests, just after uh, 9-11 in a, a small email group, of, of a family email group, me and my extended family, long before, by the way, I became a journalist or a broadcaster, I wrote what would have been my post-9-11 speech. I think it was the night that George W. Bush gave his on September 14, I think. My speech, had I been president, which I should note, I was not. But uh, I, I wanted to share my thoughts by way of contrast with Bush's calls at the time for vengeance and retribution and war as the uh, hulk of the World Trade Center was still smoking and the search for survivors was even then still underway. And I, I won't share the whole uh, quote unquote speech but uh, even then, on my email conversations with family members, many of whom were right wingers back then and have become even more radicalized in the 20 years since, the idea of peace in response to the savage, horrific attacks of 9-11 seemed wildly radical to them and, and, and probably many others. And, and perhaps it was. But here's just a few thoughts uh, from that speech, my speech to the nation, were I president, which I am not, from Friday, September 14, 2001. I wrote, this is a turning point in history. From this day forward, life on this planet will never and must never be the same. The seeds of this tragedy must now be used to grow the abundant fruits of life and freedom across the globe in a way that our fathers, grandfathers, and forefathers could have never foreseen. We must avoid the easy and well-justified temptation to avenge. While we may take momentary solace from a swift and thorough retribution, we must, as Americans, set an example for the world. We must take this opportunity to change the direction of history itself. As I wrote back then, we cannot protect every border, every building, every airplane, bus, water supply, the very oxygen we breathe against madmen bent on the destruction of human life and civility. And our love of freedom and liberty will not allow us to turn our civilization into a police state. 
We must instead turn our intelligence, our strength of leadership, the greatness of our ideas, the ingeniousness of our technology, our freedom-loving faith in humanity, and our singular ability to set an example for the entire world towards a new course of history. This starts here. This starts now. No longer can we lead by destruction and vengeance, destruction that will one day bring us a sense of strength and superiority, but will as surely bring us further revenge and destruction in the future. The endless and futile cycle of tit-for-tat stops here. When Nelson Mandela became president of South Africa after decades of apartheid, injustice, intolerance, murder, torture, and the rape of his people, he could very easily have taken retribution out on those who perpetrated those unspeakable crimes for years without end. Instead, a national call for reconciliation was begun, conferences held, criminals exposed, victims heard from, and a new, more hopeful day was born. This was not done to give horrendous criminals a get-out-of-jail-free pass. Certainly Mandela, as much a victim of the haters as anybody in his country, would have been justified in the eyes of the world to destroy all of those that were a party to those many long years of atrocities. But he looked ahead. He looked to the future. He was able to see that vengeance brings more vengeance in an unending cycle of anger and destruction. We must look forward to that same future. We do not excuse those who have perpetrated this atrocity on America and the entire world. But until we pause, every American, every American to try and come to an understanding of the sort of thinking that would compel 19 human beings to hijack four airplanes, murder the occupants, and go down with it in order to destroy thousands of innocent human lives, we are destined to see it repeated over and over again. The rhetoric and cycles of hate must stop, and it begins with us. History can and will change now. These criminals will be brought to justice, and as we do so, it will be our highest priority that not one drop of innocent human blood gets spilled, not one. We will be as diligent in our quest for justice as the criminals were reckless in their quest for blood. Collateral damage is no longer an acceptable turn of phrase used to justify the cost of bringing vengeance for as surely as we do it, it will once again bring more hatred and retribution towards us, the leaders, of the, the leaders of the world. We must instead set an example for that world. We will further begin a dialogue across the globe in an attempt not to excuse the behavior of those who despise us, but to understand it, to understand what these actions are that have caused so many millions in the world to target their hatred upon us. We will listen to them. We will not acquiesce to their demands and fanaticism, but we cannot rid the world of such hostility until such time as we continue, until we can come, I should say, to understand it. I say all of this tonight with a heavy heart and an understanding that the words I speak may be harshly judged by even those who have been supportive of me throughout the years. These are very difficult words to speak and a difficult decision to make and at a difficult time. But in these difficult times, one small courageous act 
may just light a thousand hearts to move in a new direction for the good of the United States and for the good of all humanity for a thousand years to come. Good night and God bless America. My speech to the nation were I president, which I was not on Friday, September 14, 2001, when I wrote that. That was the speech. I shared it with my family at the time, or at least part of the speech. Uh, I don't I don't know that I ever shared it publicly, and, and perhaps I'll post the whole thing at bradblog.com tonight, but I wanted to share it because I can't help thinking how much different our world would be today had our president at that time taken that position instead of the one that led us down a path of endless war and the murder of thousands over the past 20 years. No, we were not all united after 9-11. That is a myth. Some of us hoped for peace and reconciliation and understanding as opposed to vengeance. And 20 years later, after all that has happened, I am more convinced, frankly, now than I was even then when I wrote that, that it would have been the right and righteous path as opposed to the one that we were led down by George W. Bush after the events of 9-11-2001, 20 years ago this week. All right, quick break, and we'll come back with some more of your calls on that, if you like, uh, or on the California recall, but... Um, Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. I don't know. Do you feel, did you feel that we were united after the attacks? I didn't. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to The Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At The Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, closing a few minutes here, taking calls on whatever you would like to talk about. 818-985-KPFK. I know it's quite jarring going from the California uh, recall uh, to, uh, that, uh, to those thoughts on 9-11. But again, thank you for letting me get them off my chest. Let me go to our friend Roger in Minneapolis. Hey, Roger, welcome to the Bradcast, sir. It's been a while. Hope you are well. What's on your mind, my friend? Very quick. Uh, Brad, um, uh, I'll just go very briefly to uh, um, uh, the uh, um, uh, feelings that I had um, uh, uh, subsequent to um, uh, uh, September 11, 2001. I knew that the Bush administration would use that situation as a pretext for whipping uh, the, the, the populace of the United States into a war frenzy, and I was disgusted by it. Mm -hmm. um, people with their stupid American flags hanging off their SUVs. I just, I, I, my heart just broke for all the people we were about to murder. Uh, I, I appreciated the speech that you just gave. I want to send out the following um, imprecation. Please, 
folks in California, Brad has explained to you what you need to do to get your vote registered. We are counting on you across the country. I'm amazed that I, sitting in Minneapolis, am able to use this platform for a moment to implore you (laughs) all over California (laughs) to get your vote in tomorrow at the latest. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. I do appreciate that, and I I do hope people understand uh, here in California, as I know people do across the nation, how important this is, especially with Diane Feinstein, 88 years old. And if she has to be replaced for some reason within the next year, uh, we will get a very different senator than uh, under Larry Elder than we would under Gavin Newsom. And it would, of course, change, take away the majority from the Democrats, hand it back to Mitch McConnell and thus end the uh, Biden Build Back Better agenda. Thank you uh, for that call, Roger. Um, 818-985-5735. Let me go to Mano in Los Angeles. Is that right, Mano? Yes. Hi, Mano Leo. Hi, Mano Leo. How are you? Thank you for calling. What's on your mind, sir? Uh, I always like your show, man. You're talking about reality. I love that. Voting is a reality. We have to vote to count. Thank you, brother. Yeah. But what I'm calling about, uh, I'm calling to wish you a happy Constitution Day this Friday, September 17th. Is that right? Is it already Constitution Day? Boy, it seems to come earlier and earlier each year, doesn't it, Mono? (laughs) Boy, being a federal holiday, why aren't we celebrating it big time to uh, inform the whole communities everywhere from, you know, from uh, sea to shining sea? Yeah, so they can know this is what it's all about. This is the law. All right. Well, thank you, Mono. Uh, you're right. I didn't even know that. I didn't know it was a federal holiday, actually, this Friday. So I'm just glad to know I get to take the day off because, as you know, I'm a federal worker yep. here on the broadcast. Thank you, uh, Mono. Thank you so much again. <laughs> thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, all right. Let me. Uh, do I have time? Yes, I think I do have time for the great Morris, our friend Mo in Long Beach. Hey, Mo, what's on your mind, brother? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, Larry Elder is setting himself up to uh, uh, to be the new Herman Cain. He's casting doubts right now. A MSN, MSNBC reporter asked him that he would, if he would accept the results, and he went into one of those spe- uh, Trump speeches. Well, let's see if it's a fair election and all that other mm-hmm. good stuff. But, uh, you know, he, he's positioning himself to be somebody in the Republican Party. But I want to leave you with this, Brad. Conservatism, all names and, and concepts change. Conservatism doesn't mean what it used to mean. Conservatism today means anti-black and anti-democracy. And it's a shame that people like Barry Elder and Candace Owens and the other people, people of color, can hide behind that, what I now call a euphemism. But anyway, everybody get out and vote. I believe a whole lot of Republicans, Republicans are going to show out tomorrow. They're setting us up. I've already voted. But uh, you're right, man. This is big-time serious stuff here. And it would kill the president's agenda. It really, really would. Thank you, Morris. Great to hear from you, my friend. Hope you're doing well. Uh, And thanks to everyone that we couldn't get to and everyone who did call in. Also to my producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Federico Garcia today. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. Uh, We got to get out, though. You can uh, drop me email anytime you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at thebradblog. I will see you there until I see you here, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, Until then, if you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. That's it. We will see you tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.